All right, welcome everybody. Uh, my name is Dr. Tina Chosick and I'm coming to you live from my um, kitchen. <laughs> and so um, I am very happy that I get to um, be, be with you and talk to you about gratitude today. And so this is, um, I work with UNL Wellness and Tough Times team, and I've really been looking forward to this particular topic as we start the conversation about how to deal with all of the stress and difficulties in agriculture, uh, especially around this COVID time. So gratitude makes you attractive. Um, I, did you know that? So it really gratitude. Um, I think you know the type of person that I'm talking about. These people that just seem to be um, bubbly and, you know, no matter what the circumstance, they are extremely happy and they exude that and you see it um, in them no matter what. And it makes you want to be around them, right? And so gratitude um, has been described as one of the most attractive characteristics in a human being. Um, it's really important in terms of in leadership too, because it's that magnetic force that draws you to people. Um, and it's actually um, helpful in your relationships when you're, when you're grateful and you have gratitude. And so it makes you more appealing as a romantic partner. And um, it also strengthens our relationships because we learn how to trust other people. And so in general, gratitude makes you more attractive, which I think, um, you know, if we're all honest with each other, we're always looking for ways um, to help, uh, help us look more attractive, right? <laughs> and especially if you're a female, we spend a lot of time um, on ourselves, trying to make ourselves more attractive, right? And so I recently, um, you know, have found some gray in my hair. I am a grandma, so um, I am starting to kind of notice like more wrinkles and more gray and I'm thinking, oh, I don't really like this so much, right? And so um, I went to my local hairdresser and said, what can we do? I said, and she's like, well, you don't want to color it because it's very high maintenance. And as a rural girl, I, I am not into high maintenance. You know, I want easy on something that I can just, you know, not spend a lot of time on my hair. And so uh, she suggested highlights. So we did some highlights and I felt like one of my daughter's chickens because <laughs> the way that I looked and she has these really fancy chickens that hair just sticks out everywhere. And that's kind of what I look like when I was trained to get this uh, highlight job done in my hair so that, um, you know, I, I could cover the gray and, and look a little bit better. And so, you know, we do things like we buy clothes and we make sure that our, um, you know, we, we look good, that we're made up, that we, you know, we're kind of like, especially females, we're kind of like the male species of birds, right? We just want to really look good. And, um, and even, you know, even guys uh, tend to want to look good too, right? If they're really honest with ourselves. So, um, you know, when I was a girl growing up in Western Nebraska, my, my dream, because I could not, you know, stay there, the economy was so bad and had to find something to do to support myself that was off the farm. And, um, and so my dream at the time was to be a hairdresser, right? And I thought, wow, I could go to college and I could become a hairdresser. And, you know, I really thought that was all the more that, um, that I could do um, in terms of from thinking about my goals and dreams. And one thing led to the other, and actually I ended up going uh, to school in psychology, which has really taught me that there's more to being 
attractive than just how you look, right? And so one of those things is gratitude. But what is gratitude? I mean, when we are in this era of stress and worry and financial problems with the farm economy and um, COVID now, how it's how how can you be grateful? What 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 is there, right? And what is gratitude? So gratitude um, is defined a couple different ways, and this just comes from, you know, the good old dictionary. And so the first thing gratitude is defined as is being thankful and to show appreciation. Um, and so, like I said, it is hard in this time when we, we it feels like we don't have a lot to be thankful for um, to be able to do uh, to do that. Right. And the other thing that gratitude is, is mindful of, of and, and recognizing the benefits or the gifts that we have received. And in this podcast here, I want to talk to you a little bit about ways that we can do that, even when times seem really, really tough. And I read a book recently, it was called actually 1000 Gifts by Ian Voskamp. And it was just a really great uh, little devotional book. Um, She actually lives on a farm. She is a uh, rural uh, person, I think up in Canada. And she talks about how you can be grateful and how you can live um, fully and have a grateful heart right where you're at. So, you know, whatever your circumstances are, that there's always things that we can be grateful for. And so we want to get to that because we all know that a lot of times we're growing stress on the farm, right? That that seems to be our product. Um, and there are lots of stress factors and I don't want to minimize that, you know, or to think this is all kumbaya and just, you know, wonderful kinds of things because there are some real difficulties and in, in pressures that we face that make, make life difficult. And so, you know, some of those things, um, obviously, if you, if you listen to any of the podcasts in this series, we have, you know, financial issues that weigh us down, health issues that concern us during COVID. Um, we have, you know, kids driving us crazy if we're all cooped up together too long. Um, and when sometimes we do some unhealthy things uh, to deal with some of our stress. But, you know, the, the stress factors on a on a farm and in the rural agriculture, I think are just taken up a notch um, compared to our urban counterparts. And some of those things are, we do, you know, farm income does not meet needs most of the time. And so financially and meeting basic needs is a stressor. Um, There's unpredictability in our uh, world in agriculture. So, you know, how the crops do and what the weather's going to do and what the prices are going to do and what government policies are coming down the pikes, what other countries are doing, um, you know, who would have ever predicted that COVID, you know, would shut down our whole economy like it has. Um, and so we also deal with, and, you know, those, those things like disease outbreaks and livestock and things that, that really threaten kind of our way of life um, in agriculture. And so there's also other things like, you know, isolation. Farming can be a very a lonely kind of um, profession because you're doing so much stuff on your own, sitting in the tractor, right, hour after hour, um, checking pivots. And, and you don't have people surrounding you all the time. And so it can be very isolating. Um, there's issues of a family, right, family farms. When you are in business with your family, 
uh, family, personal, um, all of that can get um, tied together. And it's very difficult, right, to do business with your family. Feelings can get hurt, um, unspoken uh, rules, you know, nobody knows who's supposed to be doing what, and then somebody's upset and angry um, because we assume, right, that things are going to happen. And then you have the whole thing of succession planning. Um, and so, you know, who's going to take over uh, when, you know, the, the, the main caretaker of the property is no longer able to do that? You know, who does it go to the kids? Do they want it? You know, can it um, sustain all of us? Um, you know, how many families can this place support? And, you know, who, who gets it? Who wants it and who doesn't? You know, those are hard conversations on both sides to say, I don't want to do farming, you know, and or I, I do, you know, want to do this and it's mine. Um, my family on my husband's side is going through some of that and you can really see how it tears um, families apart because it's so, so personal. And so, you know, I, I think when we also talk about agriculture, there's some specific things also for women on the farm um, and on the ranch. And those things um, are unique because some other women don't have to face that. And particularly, I think women worry a lot about injury um, of the loved ones who work on the farm. Farming is a pretty dangerous um, operation in a lot of ways, especially when um, safety precautions, you know, kind of fall by the wayside because they're so busy. And so a lot of worry, a lot of worry about injury and stress. Um, I have a friend who um, she just during harvest season, she is absolutely a basket case and just so worried and constantly checking up on the guys and making sure they're okay. And, you know, once harvest is over, she's fine. <laughs> and so it, it's just that worry, that constant worry that um, some people have. Um, and, you know, it can be men too, uh, be worried about injury. The other thing for women um, and, and sometimes men, but more women um, are considered third shift workers. So a lot of women work off of the farm to have some um, off-farm income to make ends meet or maybe to work to get benefits for the family, health benefits, insurance benefits. And so, you know, they work an outside job, they help on the farm, and they also, you know, do all of the household jobs, right, and chores and things that need to, to happen. Um, and men do the same thing, right, work on the farm and also try to, to help, um, you know, do the things around the house to keep the family going. And then lastly for women, I think a lot of women become mental health providers, for the family on the farm. And so, you know, women typically are trusted and very nurturing and caring and, you know, reach out and do those kinds of things. And so there's a lot of stress, especially when there's not a lot of uh, services available in rural areas for other support and, and mental health, they become kind of the mental health provider. And that's hard, um, you know, to try and be all things to all people. And so all of this stuff can lead us down some really negative pathways in, you know, in our mind. And and um, negative thinking is a lot like weeds, right? And so they can take over and they can destroy some of the good things um, that we have going on. You know, it can destroy a crop and reduce yield when you've got a lot of weeds and in your garden, you know, you constantly have to be weeding and taking care of those things. Um, but what we need to do is to cultivate kind of a crop of good thoughts, right? Take care of those weeds and really focus more on um, the good thoughts so that we can have some good things. And so gratitude can be cultivated, right? We can change our mindset um, and that changing your mindset can change your life, believe it or not, um, in small ways and in dramatic ways. Um, and gratitude is something that um, 
has a lot of good benefits and it kind of builds on itself. So the more you're grateful, the more that you can feel grateful and the more you see things that you can be grateful for. And, um, gratitude has benefits. One of them is it blocks negative and toxic um, emotions and thoughts. And so it blocks the weeds, right? The other thing it does is it reduces anxiety and stress. Um, we can see that in studies uh, where, you know, they had uh, people think about more grateful kinds of things and think about negative things. And it actually changes anxiety and stress and lowers blood pressure and um, kind of settles our nervous system so that we can uh, think more clearly. And we feel less aches and pains, believe it or not, when we're more grateful. Um, and we sleep better and our immune system uh, gets a boost. And so there's so many like um, physical impacts and that really help in, in terms of when we are thinking um, more, more along the positive lines and we have gratitude. And so gratitude really is the antidote to worry and fear. And especially during this time of COVID when we're just, you know, all in heightened and worried about what's going to happen. Um, but how do we do it, you know, and, and what do we do in, um, it, it's not easy, right, all the time. I mean, I think we, we see some people who are like, gosh, they're naturally just happy. And um, there are some people who are very optimistic and they're naturally very happy. But you can also cultivate it and um, be more optimistic by exercising your uh, gratitude. And so it all starts with a little bit of understanding of the brain and how we can activate uh, gratitude. And so when your brain is on gratitude, <laughs> certain things happen, right? We can see that. And so just a little understanding of what goes on in our brain. Um, nothing too complicated because um, I'm not a neurosurgeon. I'm not, you know, a brain expert, but I, it, I do know a little bit enough to hopefully be able to explain what happens in your brain in a simple way that you could probably even explain to others and, and to kids. And so that's because we have the brain really in the palm of our hand. And so the, the hand model of the brain, which was developed by uh, Dr. Siegelman, um, you, if you hold up your hand, right, and you look at your wrist, and that's really your brain stem, and then you have um, your hand, the palm of your hand, um, and your fingers and your thumb. If you fold over your thumb, right into towards the palm of your hand that little structure in your thumb becomes what we call the limbic system the limbic system has amazing uh things in it and this is what really controls our emotional center and our regulation um, for the most part that's what the limbic system does and in the limbic system there's three structures that are really important one is the amygdala the amygdala is our worry center and the part that is all about um, fight, flight, or freeze, right? And so when things go wrong, that is your, your amygdala tells you either fight for it, flee from it, or freeze. The other piece that it has is the basal ganglia. And that's our feel-good system. So the basal ganglia says, ooh, I like that. That's rewarding. That's pleasurable. Do more of it. And this is where our habits are formed, right, within the basal ganglia. We also have the hypothalamus in there. And the hypothalamus um, it does lots of things like it's our body's control center. And so when, um, you know, when gratitude comes into play, that hypothalamus is activated, and that is a good thing because it does a lot of things in our body like sleep, metabolism, and all those good 
physiological things that I talked, talked about with gratitude. And so if we fold over and cover up our thumb with our fingers, right, this area of our brain is called the prefrontal cortex. And the prefrontal cortex is in charge of decision-making and um, moral reasoning and kind of the higher levels and centers uh, actions that we, that we do as human beings, right? Prefrontal cortex is the last thing to develop. And so when your teenager is not making good decisions, that's because the prefrontal cortex has not been developed yet. <laughs> and so they're really, um, you know, their prefrontal cortex is not protecting that limbic system and they are operating out of, I want what I want and I want it now because I feel good, right? I'm upset, I'm worried, and I want to have a reward. And so in gratitude, the prefrontal cortex is also activated. And it is the sense of our awe and wonder and kind of transcendence. So thinking outside of ourselves, you know, to things greater than ourselves. And that's the higher part of our brain. And that's what we need when we think about gratitude, thinking about things in a different way. So not only do we have our brain, right, uh, structures, which do, do many wonderful things for us. But we also have um, chemicals within our brain. And we have happy chemicals. Um, we have dopamine and serotonin that are really the feel-good chemicals. Dopamine um, is kind of kind of the action and the want chemical. And so it, it is the part that, you know, when we feel good and we feel happy, we, that's the dopamine at action. And um, serotonin, it also does the same thing. And so feelings, happy feelings and all this stuff just don't fall out of the sky on us. We really have the ability to um, uh, cultivate them, if you will, or uh, have them uh, more produced in our brain by thinking happy thoughts, by doing things that reward our brain. And so the brain can't focus both on negative and positive um, very well at the same time, right? But if there is a, a treat involved, so to speak, right? If there's something that's rewarding, the dopamine is fired. And inside of our brain, the basal ganglia notices that and says, ooh, this is good, do more of that, right? And so it triggers that reward pathway that says this is good. And our brain will want to continue and seek that, right, the more that we do that and it becomes a habit. So we can cultivate grat gratitude and happiness. Now, it, it's kind of like the, the dog that lives next door to me, right? So our um, farmer friends who live next door to us, um, they have a, a big lab who goes out with the uh, goes out with a farmer when he's, you know, doing his work and he's kind of his companion. And so when, he, when the, he's at home in the night, he'll run over to my house if he sees me come out of the door because I have a treat, right? And so it'll be a hot dog or a piece of meat or something that I have in my refrigerator. And man, when he comes running to me, he's, he's super happy, right? Tails wagging. And I also feel good because I don't, we lost our dog and I miss our dog. And so this is a way for me to be able to have some of those good feelings. And, um, and so that, that is, that is what our brain likes, right? We get rewarded and we keep doing more and more of it. So every time I pop out of that door, and he hears me, he comes running because he knows what's coming, right? Something good. And that's what we need to, to do is be able to train our brain to know that something good is coming because we're being grateful for things. And so the question is, what are you filling your brain with? And that will be 
part two of this podcast is what are you filling your brain with and how can you fill it with more good things so you can get more good happy chemicals.